to the extent that we can integrate those shadow sides of ourselves, that stuff is, you know, integration doesn't mean that you have to then act on it. It means that you now see it. It's brought out in the light. You can choose to act on it or you can choose not to act on it. You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, and I am your host and wealthy mentor, Dr. Michelle. My mission is to empower conscientious women entrepreneurs to create a life full of abundance, purpose, health, wealth, and joy. In this podcast, you'll learn how to elevate your health, lifestyle, and surroundings so you can tap into your power, show up more confidently, and focus on what really matters, sharing your gifts, better serving your clients, and showing up even more for the people you love. This is today's businesswoman, the wealthy woman. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Woman Podcast. Today is a very special day because I'm sharing my very first male interview with Keith Norris. So I met Keith through a mutual friend a couple months back. And after chatting with him over coffee for a couple hours, I knew I needed to have him on the show. He is a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to behavior change. And I just think that so many of us can relate to his journey as an entrepreneur. He and I also talk about the balance of feminine and masculine energy in both the business and personal space. So definitely Definitely, definitely tune in. To give you a little intro on Keith, he is a former standout athlete, a military veteran, and an elite strength and conditioning expert with over 35 years of in the trenches experience. As a serial entrepreneur in the health and wellness space, he is an owner, co-founder, and chief development officer of the largest paleo conference in the world. You may have heard of it. It's called Paleo FX. So Keith is also a founding member of another company called ID Life, and that's a company whose mission is health and lifestyle optimization. In his spare time, he also authors one of the top fitness blogs in the health and wellness sphere called Theory to Practice. So are you ready to dive in? Let's do this. So welcome, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us today. Michelle, thank you very much for having me on. This is great honor. Yay, first man on the show. <laughs> wow. I'm having to I'm having to toe the line for all the men out there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, no pressure. No yeah, pressure. No, no, no pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from kind of your traditional bio, tell us a bit more about you and how you came to be, you know, and how like paleo effects came to be. Like what what is your what is your background with that? Right. So um, was not brought up in an entrepreneurial household at all. Absolutely not. I mean, I came from a very, very blue collar background, um, you know, probably would not. Well, I wouldn't even say probably would not have gone to college had it not been for an athletic scholarship. In mm-hmm. fact, I was, uh, you know, I was the traditional C student. Um despised school, absolutely despised it. And really the only thing that kept me in school was athletics at the time. Um, You know, came up, um, like I say, in a very blue collar background, my idea surrounding 
money was if you want more money, um, you got to slang that wrench for more hours in a day. And that was my, <clears throat> that was my introduction to money. And, <clears throat> you know, it was a, uh, it was a hard scrabble life. I tell everybody, if you, if you want to know what my high school years were like, just watch Friday night lights. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, I grew up in South Texas and, you know, I, I watched that show and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much the way, that's pretty much the way it was. Um, <clears throat> so it, it, an unlikely path to entrepreneurship and, you know, really didn't, I, I, I didn't realize I had the makings to be an entrepreneur. In fact, I tell people, um, I remember being in college in one of those, um, freshman orientation types of, uh, of things. And I remember there was a girl in there who stood up and said, and I can't remember exactly what she said, something about her wanting to be, you know, one of the first female entrepreneurs. And she went, I remember thinking, what the hell is an entrepreneur? <laughs> and I'm, I'm embarrassed now to say that, but really at that time, I had no idea what an entrepreneur was. People who ran businesses, started businesses, I, I just thought there was an entirely different um, class or um, it, it just wasn't me. I had no idea that that was in me or that that was even possible. Um, so that was, my, that was my background in entrepreneurship. It was so far away, so alien, um, it's so far out of my reach, I thought at that time. Um, and I've really had to overcome all of those obstacles, all of that negative self-talk. You can't do this. This isn't your, this isn't your calling. You don't have the right skills. You don't have the right pedigree. You don't have this. You don't have that. Yada, 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 yada. All that negative self-talk I had to give, get over. And really, the only way I got over it was because I was so miserable in corporate life. Mm. And I thought, I cannot, I can't do this. And I cannot continue doing this. And I, by the way, I was in big pharma. Mm. I mean, that's who I worked for. And, you know, the disillusionment of being in big pharma and seeing, seeing how that path was going, it really, I jumped into entrepreneurship because there was no other option. I could not continue living the way I was living at that time. And I thought, I don't know what this looks like. I don't even know how to do it, but I cannot continue doing this. Yeah. Oh, I and feel so like, like so many people can relate right. to that. Right. And it was a total leap of faith. I yeah. mean, I had, you know, I didn't have any, I wasn't involved in any entrepreneurial circles. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. Um, and I just, you know, Michelle and I both, we just took a, Michelle, my wife, we just took a leap of faith and did it. Mm. And so it was so really amazing. a trial by fire. It was, it was a learn as you go, learn as you make mistakes. And, uh, you know, it all worked out well in the end, but it was tough going for a while. Yeah, seriously. That's, I feel like I can totally relate to you in the, like, I don't know what an entrepreneur is. Like I didn't wreck, like I didn't identify with the term entrepreneur until maybe the last year or two. But when you kind of look at it from that perspective, like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I'm not, like I'm not an employee, like I'm taking these risks. I'm kind of putting myself out there and becoming vulnerable yet pursuing my passion because like the other lifestyle is not an option. Like what? that's not an option. So I need to propel myself in this other way. <laughs> it's like, 
Right. Amazing. And we, we literally did not know what it was going to look like when we left. We just knew we couldn't continue doing what we were doing. Yeah. And it's like that saying, like the pain of staying the same, right? Gets like too much. Like the pain, right. of, the pain of staying the same is more than the pain of moving forward or something. I'm totally butchering the saying, but you know what I mean? No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we came, we became entrepreneurs in 2008, which was in the in the first part of the recession of 2000. I mean, we couldn't have picked a worse time <laughs> to do what we did. It was horrible. We got uh, butchered in the real estate market. I mean, just literally skinned. Uh, um, and it was a horrible time to come out and do it. But I, I mean, we were just like, well, you know, really, what's the worst that can happen? Bankruptcy? Right. Is that really that bad? And it really came down to that. Mm. It was like, you know, what does bankruptcy look like? Okay. Is that really that bad compared to living the day-to-day -day life we're living right now? Yeah. And yeah. that was, those were the two options we had. And we were like, Hey, let's roll the dice and see what happens. Mm. Wow. And then, and then Paleo FX was born or was there sort of a stepping stone to Paleo FX or? Yeah. So it, so there was a, there was a definite stepping stone. So I, um, was, uh, you know, a, coach in the more traditional strength and conditioning area, uh, college football. I was also personal training. Michelle at that time was a uh, self-trained chef. And we said, well, you have that skill being a chef. I have this skill of coaching that I'm pretty good at. Um, we'll make something happen. We don't know what it looks like, but we'll, we'll make it happen. And my, you know, when we when we first transitioned, I partnered with a guy with a um, Mark Alexander who had um, efficient exercise um, gyms in Austin, mm -hmm. and Michelle created a catering program, and um, and so that was our first foray into into entrepreneurship, and that went that went really well. Um, and I tell people even now we work twice as many hours, twice as hard for half the pay. And we're four times as happy. Yes. Oh, if not ugh. exponentially <laughs> yes. more happy. Yes. Um, and it is a slog. And you know, entrepreneurship is a 24-7, no days off, you mm -hmm. know, all of that. It is a slog. And, and we talked a little bit before you hit record. Um, Michelle and I both are traveling right now. And the businesses still roll on. I mean, yes. we still have to, you know, we have to surround ourselves with good people, with solid teams. Um, but the businesses still go on. They don't take a day off. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so it's it, it, it's tough, but like I say, it is you know the the payback on the happiness side, the empowerment side, the fulfillment side. That's what that's what drives us. Yes, totally, totally. I and as far of, as yeah. I was going to say, as far as Paleo FX, that that came about um, in 2012 was the first uh, Paleo FX event that we had, and we literally created that business plan on the back of a napkin, sitting on an airplane, getting ready to uh, take off from LA back to, <laughs> back to Austin. And we were at a conference that I spoke at. And um, it was a very academic conference. It was in within the, the paleo ancestral uh, health realm. Mm. And we said, uh, we just asked a question like entrepreneurs do, you know, this was a great conference, but this information is so elevated, you know, such at a high level, at an academic level, what would it look like if we brought this down to the, to the lay person, to the mm. common person, mm. the person who just wants to know, you know, 
what do I eat for breakfast when I get mm-hmm. up? You know, what, what are some simple lifestyle changes I can do? Yes. And uh, literally on the back of a napkin, okay, where would we have that? Who would we invite? Who, you know, that kind of thing. And by the time we got back to Austin, we had a rudimentary, very rudimentary business plan. Even if you could call it a business plan, it was really <laughs> just a vision. Now, how are we going to pay for it? What's, how are we mm. going to actually put it into action? We had no idea, but we had that vision. And as entrepreneurs do, you just go out and make it happen. Yes, totally. Totally. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I know just being an entrepreneur myself and kind of going through that vision and kind of building your dream, right? Things don't always go as planned. Usually it's they go uh, as you had not planned. So right. in your life, in your business, with you and Michelle, like how do you guys stay motivated when things don't go as planned, when you hit those really big speed bumps? Right. And they never go as planned. That's, that's, the entrepreneur, <laughs> that's the entrepreneur's struggle, right? And I, we have, and, and I guess throughout, so athletics, and I didn't know it at the time, but being involved in athletics really prepares you for entrepreneurship mm-hmm. because you learn in athletics that everybody goes into a game, everybody goes into a match, everybody goes into, you know, to whatever competition they're involved in. For me, it happened to be football. Everybody goes into that with a plan. And as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And then what? Then what happens? Um, And so you, you react and you just have to get over those humps and you have to get used to taking your licks and, and saying to yourself, there is an answer. There is a way through. It may not be the way I originally envisioned it, but I'm going to have to step back, reevaluate and hit this again from a different angle. Mm. And we have just always done that And every successful entrepreneur that I know does that. Even the ones that we can look at right now and go, Oh, they're so super successful. Mm. Yes, they are successful right now, but every day they get up, they have to reinvent a new plan because it never goes as planned. Mm. There are so many obstacles in the way. But on the flip side, that, I guess, is what drives all of us are dopamine junkies, right? <laughs> Every entrepreneur I know is just an, a, dop- a dopamine junkie. Totally. And that's part of the thrill, yep. right? That's part of the thrill is finding a new plan, finding a new way, mm-hmm. figuring out another way to do it, another way to raise money, someone else to call, another connection to make. And if you just keep that faith and keep driving forward, things happen. Mm-hmm. So, so, so true. I love that. Right. And it's just, you know, do you have the wherewithal to motivate yourself when you get up every day to do that? Mm. And, and not everybody does. I mean, I, I have plenty of friends who are more than happy to be and remain in, in the corporate world. Totally. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's, that's cool with them. Yeah. And that's fine. And that works for them, but yeah. it's not me. Yeah. I, I can't live that way. Yeah. So, I'm right and, there with you. <laughs> and I stay in the entrepreneurial game because I am totally unemployable anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> right? We're like too obstinate. <laughs> yes. like... Yeah. yeah. And, and there's no way I couldn't be employed by anybody else at this time. And that's, yeah. you know, just because I live on that thrill of what can I make happen today? Yes. Yes. Totally. I, I I know when we were hanging out a few weeks ago, you were talking about kind of switching gears a little bit, but back to 
the coaching that you've done in the past. I know that you have this really awesome sort of strategy and knack around keeping people motivated. And I know we kind of talked a bit about it. And I'm wondering if that's something that you can share. And I know that that's kind of a big question, but if there's maybe a gem or a quick tip that you could uh, share with the audience around that, that would be super helpful. Yeah, it is a it is a massive, massive question. And I, I, I could say that I I learned by mimicking early on. So as an athlete being coached, I just happened to, you know, right place, right time, luck of the draw, whatever you want to call it. I was surrounded by coaches who could, and motivation works to a certain extent, right? So, you know, you can, you can watch all the Tony Robbins videos, you can do all that, you can get motivated, but at, at the end of it all, you have to apply that stuff day to day to day to day and minute to minute to minute to minute. And the big differentiation between people who make things happen and those who have things happen to them mm. is, is acting. That is, the, that is the big differentiator because we can read all the books. We can, we can you know, take all the, uh, we can go to all the Tony Robbins events we want to go to, but at the end of the day, you have to get up out of bed and actually act on the systems and processes that you have set in place. Yes. And that is a big difference between people who actually make things happen or have things happen to them. Mm, mm-hmm. And and I found that over the years in coaching people that that is the key. Even if it's super super small steps and you have to create these little mini goals leading up to a to a big goal, mm-hmm. right? And maybe that maybe that mini goal is I have to get over this nervousness or this uh, whatever it is inside me, self-doubt, fear, um, anxiety, whatever it is to pick up the phone and call a potential client. Mm. And, and that freezes most people in their tracks. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's just one example, but that, that derails people. Yep, and I call it for my sporting and military background, we, we call that an OODA loop. And it's O-O-D-A. It's observe, orient, decide, and act. And that's just a constant reel that you're taught in athletics that you then begin to act subconsciously, but you've got to act. You've got to, you, you can't stand around like a deer in the headlights and freeze. Absolutely. And the same applies in business. Mel Robbins, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mel Robbins, but she is. Mm-hmm. Right. So she has what she calls the five second rule. Mm-hmm. That is you count down five, four, three, two, one, and bam, you jump. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the motivator to get you to take that first step into following the system and process that you have laid out. Mm-hmm. Because I've coached many people and I've helped them create the systems and processes that will allow them to reach these mini goals that will then allow them to create a string of mini goals that lead to a larger goal. But at the end, you have to take that first step. You have to act. And a lot of times that's busting through fear. It's busting through self-doubt. It's busting through anxiety. All of these things that hold people back. And, you know, if you wait longer than that five seconds or the time it takes to run through that OODA loop, you're not going to do it. Your mind will create a reason, a narrative to why you should not do it. Mm 
Exactly. Well, you're reinforcing that fear because if you then don't act, your mind was like, okay, I was right. That is potentially life-threatening. I will not attempt that again. Whereas if you, you know, take those mini steps into the fear and then you realize, okay, I didn't die. Like everything's fine. Then you're prepared to do another mini step. It's like a muscle, right? If you're training, it's like you're training your mind and your mindset to be like, okay, just because I have fear or anxiety about this one thing does not mean that I will always have fear or anxiety around this one thing. Right. Or you may. Mm-hmm. So for instance, public speaking to me, the people will talk to me afterwards and they're like, man, you look so calm and collected up there. You delivered a great talk. And I'm, I'll, I'll tell them, you don't know what was going on in my mind before I stepped on stage. Mm-hmm. So this is my big obstacle. And it doesn't matter if it's in front of 10 people or 10,000. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The size of the crowd doesn't matter. But I go through every time before I step on stage, I am absolutely terrified. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I have to talk myself through that. Mm-hmm. And I have to do the whole OODA loop thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to, in some way, change that fear to excitement. Because the only difference between fear and excitement is the narrative in your mind. Oh, that's so true. It feels almost the same in your body, it right? Is. Like physiologically, well, physio- it feels the physiologically, same. Physiologically, it, it is, is exactly the same. The same. Yeah. It is, and so the only difference between the two is the narrative that you set for yourself. Yes. And I call it I the that. shitty roommate in my head, right? You start <laughs> getting that monkey chatter. You know, you're not smart enough. You don't know what you're talking about. You're going to stutter. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be judged, yada, yada, yada. Before I step on stage, I would rather run the hell out of the building than to actually move forward and step on stage. But I take a breath and I try to channel that into excitement. Mm. Now, I've gotten better at channeling the excitement part of it, but I still feel the fear, the anxiety, the judgment, the ridicule, all of that negative Mm self-talk. But I've just learned over time to take the leap. Mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, is it really death and dismemberment? No. Mm-hmm. Right. So channel that into excitement. And I, I think about being a kid and I was like 12 years old and, and where I grew up, there was this big, you know, the old, the old time train trestles with the arched, the iron arch mm-hmm. things. Well, the, uh, a group of kids that I really, the pack that I wanted to hang with, I was always youngest. And I remember one summer, the first time climbing up at the, you know, this is crazy thing, crazy things kids do, (laughs) climbing up to the top of that trestle because the older kids were doing it and like burning my, I can still feel the, that iron burning my hands and feet, crawling up to the top of that trestle and standing there just in abject fear Mm. (laughs) of jumping off, but Mm. I did it anyway. (laughs) Right now that was a stupid thing for a kid to do, no doubt, but I that same feeling hits me every time before I walk on stage. Mm. And I just, okay. It, and I put myself back in that place, take the leap, jump, mm. just jump. And I, and I do that, but you know, that could be, it, that could be um, any interaction an entrepreneur has that they're absolutely terrified to do, but you have to take that leap and you have to take that first step. And that's where that five second rule, the OODA loop thing comes in. Just do it. Yes, for <laughs> to sure. Steal a, to steal a phrase from Nike, but it's very, very true. You have to <laughs> right. take the first step. Zero to one is the hardest step. Totally. And that's the only, that's the only way you're going to train yourself and your mind to be right. open to those possibilities. Yeah. What is the most 
terrifying, risky, or profound decision you've had to make in regards to your business? I think for me, the most, uh, (laughs) there's a lot. (laughs) I'm trying to, there's a lot and they're daily. But, um, you know, for me, it was, I had to come to terms with what I am not good at. Mm. Right. So entrepreneurs come into this and many times they have uh, this, I've got to do it all complex, right? I've got to be the CFO. I've got to be the CEO. I've got to be the technical person. I've got to do all of this. And many times when you bootstrap, you you in fact have to do all of that. Mm -hmm. As soon as you can, you have to identify and come to grips with those things that you are not good at. And for me, it was pretty much across the board. I'm not a day-to-day operations person. I'm not the finite, excuse me, the financial guy. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's the last place you want me is dabbling in the finance. I'm a liberal <laughs> arts major, and there's a reason why I gravitated to liberal arts, because I don't math very well. <laughs> um, so all of these things, and I had these, this constant negative self-talk about, well, dude, if you don't do that, and you're not the operations guy, and you know, what are you? Man, you're not even an entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, you what are you? You're just you're you know, you're a poser. You're just um you're an imposter and I had to go through all of this negative self-talk. Mm. And and what I came to find out was is I am you know, the visionary. I can I I I know where the ship needs to go. I'm the navigator, right? I know where it needs to go, but I can't make it go there. So I have to surround myself with the captain and the engineers and, you know, all of this other stuff to actually make the ship go. And I have to give that up. Mm. And that's a, that's a leap of faith for many entrepreneurs is to give that stuff up. I'm not good at it. In fact, I'm going to waste my time and I'm going to drag down the company if I continue to dabble in those areas that I'm not good at surround myself with fantastic people who are good at those and everything's going to work out fine. And that's, that is a leap of faith. And that's, you know, when you, your business is your baby, you know, that's like your child Mm -hmm. and it's just like a mother giving up a a child to be watched or to be raised by somebody else. It's, that's tough. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's really hard to let go of, but if you're going to, if your business is going to grow, you have to identify what it is that you're not good at and be trustful in those that you bring on to your company to handle those positions. Absolutely, because that just creates more space and energy for you to focus on your strengths. Right, so. right. And it does. And yeah. to the extent that we've been able to do that, and Michelle's had to to navigate that in her own way. Now, she is a natural day-to-day you know, she, of us both, she is the natural business person. Mm. You know, she's good at that. She's good at the day to day. She's good at making those types of decisions. I'm not, you know, and I, in, in just being in relationship with somebody within a business, that, that's, it's, that's a whole other ball of wax that we <laughs> maybe could dive into. That's a tough thing to do too. Um, yeah. But yeah, but we both had to do that. You know, mm-hmm. she, She's had to give up stuff on her side that she's not good at that were very, very tough for her to give up too, mm. because that's a control thing. You know, it's like the, that whole thing. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. That right. is the, uh, right. Yes. That is just a, that is such a drag on entrepreneurs. Yes. You can't get over that hump. And I've Absolutely. seen so many good potential businesses fail because of that. Absolutely. 
Yes. It's like either that or it's like we need it to be perfect. So then sometimes like we don't even take action. Right. Right. Or, you know, there's there's many ways to skin a cat. Right. mm -hmm. Just because somebody doesn't do it the way I think it should be done. Mm-hmm. You've got to let them run with it and do it in their way and empower them to be able to make those decisions and to make mistakes because mm-hmm. people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing as an entrepreneur too. So someone runs with something and they're not doing it the way you think it ought to be done, but you give them, you give them leniency to do that and then it fails. So then what, is you, what do you do as an entrepreneur then? And that's tough. I mean, you have to bolster that person up. Hey, that didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. I, I give you, you know, I've still got your back. I still believe in you. Now let's figure out another way to get this done. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's being a successful entrepreneur is letting those who you employ or who you partner with fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say in athletics, we call it praise the effort, not the outcome. Mm, yeah and that is so you have to praise the effort they gave it 100 percent. it didn't work and you know you regroup hey it's okay we're going to regroup from this and we're going to go on and hit it another way yeah i love that mm, okay mm. so what book or person has inspired you the most over the past few years Wow, so many people, so many books, <laughs> so many. But if, you know, if I had to dial it in right now, I would say Darren Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Darren Hardy made me look at money in a completely different way, mm. and it was a face-to-face conversation. Um, we have another business that's that's overlaps with Paleo FX. That's ID Life. And we had an opportunity through ID Life. I say we, Michelle and I both had an opportunity to sit down for a private coaching session with Darren Hardy. And Darren Hardy wanted to dig into, you know, what is Paleo FX all about? Um, you know, let me know how is the business model going. And we essentially told them that Paleo FX is a overwhelming success in theory and in output but it's not a financial success. And we were struggling at this time. This was a few years back. We were really struggling. And he said, that all sounds great. And then he called this on our bullshit. <laughs> He's like, why do you have this ick factor about money? Mm. He said, that ick factor you have about money is holding you back. It's holding your vision back. And oh, by the way, you pointing at both of us or doing this movement a disservice. Mm. And that was like, Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, pull the dagger out of my heart, man. It was like, he's like you and you pointing to Michelle and I are holding this movement back. You, Mm. you think you're doing the right thing. You're not because if this entity is not financially viable, you will never, never, ever be able to create the bullhorn that you want to create. So you're going to have to figure out a way to make this, yes, highly profitable. And don't be scared of that. Don't run from it. Don't have the ick factor with money. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get over that now or mm-hmm. fail. Mm-hmm. And it just won't be a business that's failing. It's a movement that's failing. And that's yes. going to be on your show. I mean, he was, he was <laughs> hard he hitting. He gave it to you. <laughs> yes, he Absolutely gave it to us, but we came away from that going, 
he's right. Yeah. This movement is being held back because we have this ick factor surrounding money. But it took someone to kind of slap us around a little bit and wake us up. Mm. But it helped. And I, I would say Darren Hardy is, he's kind of uh, a lesser known business coach, kind of a Tony Robbins light kind of guy. I mean, he doesn't have the rah-rah that Tony or the stage presence or any of that that Tony Robbins has. Mm -hmm. And he's not that kind of motivator. But he is very, very direct and he knows business. And he, I mean, this was inside of five minutes. He totally cut through our bullshit mm. and told us what we needed to hear. And no one had ever told us that before. I love that. I right. Just, yeah, I love that. I love it when like coaches and people in our lives are willing to cut through the bullshit and just tell us how it is and like act, really act as a mirror for us. Right, right. It's and the both only of us, way that we can grow. Yeah. And both of us came from essentially the same type of background. I mean, I've known Michelle since high school and we were both in that atmosphere, blue collar atmosphere of if someone has money, it's, they got it in, you know, kind of sketchy ways. Yeah. yeah. And it's that whole mindset about that, that, you know, only the, uh, only the honorable are those who work by tool an hour and they're doing, mm. you know, uh, quote unquote, legitimate work. And we had to get totally past all that mindset. And that's tough, man. When you're, when you have that conditioning from a young age and you have to scrub that, um, that's, and that's a daily battle that Michelle and I have to fight because that was programmed into our DNA. Yeah. Um, and we have to get over that on the daily. And that's a, that's a daily struggle Michelle and I both have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a struggle a lot of people have, especially, you know, heart-centered entrepreneurs, right? We're like, let here, just take it. <laughs> just right. take this for free or for close to nothing. Right. And, it's, and, it's, <laughs> and then we end up struggling and then we can't serve the people that we want to serve because we can't right. even put, you know, food on our own plates or whatever. Right. And it hurts me now as an entrepreneur, knowing what I know now, having had that interaction with Darren Hardy, it hurts me when I see other entrepreneurs in our space going through the same thing. And I see so many great ideas and so much knowledge and so much potentially world changing things that could come from these people. And they have that same ick factor around money. Yeah. And the thing is, if or marketing too, and mm -hmm. that would be the other, and we had that with marketing as well. It was like, you can have the best idea in the world, but if you don't market it properly, it's going to die. Totally. And you're not going to get in front of the people that need your help. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, you have to get the word out. Yeah. And absolutely. so many great ideas just die on the vine because people are scared a about money or b about marketing or mm -hmm. both in mm -hmm. most cases. Totally. And the ideas just simply don't get out. Mm hmm. Yep. So, Keith, I'm curious, has your health ever come between you and your business? You know, luckily, no. Um, I, I've got this kind of what I call the wheel of life. So if you look at, <clears throat> if you look at um, the totality of a person, the mental, physical, emotional, uh, relational, spiritual, financial uh, components of what makes a person, Mm -hmm. I've really got the health side of it dialed in. Awesome. Right. So that, so that there's a plus there. Now I fall on many of the others. 
but that that particular one I've got pretty well dialed in. Um, but I have to I have to struggle and I have to work with the others, especially the um, of course on the you know back to the financial thing on the the ick factor surrounding money. That is still even though I've worked on that quite a bit, it's still my Achilles heel. Mm, yeah. Um, and I would also say, you know, on the relationship side of things, um, working with your spouse in a business is tough. Mm. And I have done lots of work around the relationship side of things. And I have never been good at relationships, about mm. in intimate relationships. It's just something that I've never been good at. So I have to work on that daily. Mm. But thank goodness on the health side of things, I've got that pretty well dialed in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I do have Achilles heels, like I say, in other areas of my life that I have to work on quite a bit and I have to make them um, priorities in my life. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm the kind of guy, I'm in Houston right now. We've been traveling for the last few weeks. I'm in Houston. Well, I, I know exactly where I'm going to go work out today. I've got that planned out in advance. I love that. And you prioritize it. I mean, that's your health is right. one of your main priorities, right? Right. I do prioritize it. And I, you know, I sleep to me is a premium, mm -hmm. no matter what, no matter where I know that if I don't get a decent amount of sleep every night, I can't perform the next day, whether it be physically by working out or on these other areas of my life where I need to put emphasis. I just don't have the wherewithal to be able to, to put it out there. So I have to have recovery in that way. I have to get a proper amount of sleep and it's got to be good quality sleep and for the proper length. Totally. And I am a, just, I, I am crazy about that. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But I know that if I don't do it, that it's, you, you know, there's certain things I can track my, my, if we want to get into heart rate variability and I can tell, so two things are my kryptonite. Number one is sleep. Number two is alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I know those two things are my, because I've been able to correlate that to my morning heart rate variability. Yes. I love that. So, I keep track of my heart rate variability as well. Mm -hmm. Right. It's such a, such a simple tool. And I love it because it doesn't take any time and it gets you out of your head Mm -hmm. Right. So you can track so many things and just get lost in the data and never be able to correlate. But for me, heart rate variability is a very, very good check. It's not the all everything, but, but yeah, it's a very, it's, very good check. It is a good check. I, I had um, popcorn last week and my heart rate variability like dropped so low right. and I was like oh man <laughs> like yeah. I, I thought popcorn was not the best for me but now I see that popcorn is not the best for me <laughs> right and from that respect then you can go okay well given that I've got to set up a system and process whereby I don't have popcorn and maybe yeah. I substitute you know a, a different snack and then see how that works against my heart rate variability mm -hmm. and it's just a very simple check um, it takes some time, right? Because you have to be able to set a baseline. Um, and then you have to be diligent about looking at your heart rate variability in the morning and then going, huh, all things being equal, what did I do different to set that off? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can, sometimes it's, you know, right in front of your face. For me, sleep and alcohol. I know it now over time. Mm -hmm. I can almost predict it. Um, but for other people, it, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit. Was it the popcorn? 
or uh, was it the fact that maybe fasting is not good for me? Mm. You know, I hear everybody talking about intermittent fasting, and it works for a lot of people. Some people, it's a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And you might not know that because you're, you're not able yet to tune in and listen to your body. Mm. Um, but heart rate variability can give you that, oh, my heart rate variability is down. This is what it feels like internally to, to be at a low recovery level. And then you can yeah. start making that correlation, which I think yeah. is very, very important because ultimately what you want to be able to do is tell everything internally. I want to be able to feel what it is to feel at the top of my game and what it feels like when I'm a little off. Yeah, totally. And that's a good tool for being able to do that. Yeah, and to train yourself, like what does it feel like when my body's in alignment? What does it feel like when inflammation's low? What does it feel like, right. <laughs> you know, when I am thrown off? Because right. We're, and we're in so this, distracted from that. Right. Detached and, from and that. Exactly. In this, in this society where we're, there's so much noise, right? There's mm. so much outside noise. We get away from listening to what our body is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. And if Absolutely. we don't catch that, and I'm, you know, I'm speaking to the choir here, but if we don't catch that, that is going to turn into larger problems down the road, either exactly. mental, emotional, or physical illness. Exactly. I always tell my clients, it's like, you know, this, those symptoms that we experience, those are messages and signals from our body. And if we ignore them or we, you know, take something over the counter or even a supplement to like suppress that, we're basically telling our body to shut up and we don't want to listen to the messages anymore and they stop (laughs) and then we get chronic disease. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I I think sleep is a big thing, right? So in entrepreneurial circles, uh, you know, it's the, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, where you're going to get that opportunity very, very quickly if you continue yes. down oh that my road. God. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh, it's it's very for entrepreneurs especially. It's very tough for them to step back and actually listen to what their body is saying because when you're in the mix and you're in the fight and you're trying to, you know, start a company from the ground up and get it going, there's obviously stress. There's anxiety. Mm. But, um, you know, you've only got 24 hours in a day, so I'll just cut back on sleep. Yeah. Because that's the easiest thing to cut back on. Yeah. One, one thinks if they don't know recovery right. and they don't know their, their bodies very well. But it, exactly. it catches up. Exactly. Aside from sleep and working out, do you have any other, like, non-negotiables that are your self-care practices? I've um, – so there's a couple things. I – take plenty of time out to do integration work every day. Um, I've done lots of uh, plant medicine in the last few years. And, you know, that, that in itself is not a fix, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the integration work that follows is huge. Tell us more. <laughs> so, so for me, that looks like creative writing every morning when I get up. Mm. Um, I have to, I've come to find out if I am not creative in some kind of a way that that really, it, it kind of works in the back of my mind and I can't focus on more of the traditional business stuff that I need to do. And so, and for a long period of time, I would get up and hit the ground running on the business side of things. And I would say, well, if I have time later today, I can do, you know, the creative work that I need to do. And that just, consistently backfired. Mm. Number one, I wasn't good at the, I I wasn't fully um, mentally and emotionally invested in the 
in the business side of things because I, because when I look back at it, it was, I was, you know, my subconscious was crying out for that creative release. Mm. So if I, so if I, and, and it took a little bit, I set up a system and process every night when I'm shutting things down, I have my document up that I'm working on. And for me, that just looks like a, it, it's just one document that I just write and it could be shitty writing. It doesn't matter <laughs> at that point, but I have just this journaling. I, I, I kind of incorporate uh, the integration work that I'm doing, the blog posts, the, everything just kind of gets thrown on one document and I'll go back later and edit and, and clip out the pieces that I'm going to do a blog post on and, and whatever. But I have that document set at night. So the first thing I see when I flip open my computer in the morning is that document. Mm, and I, I just, and a lot of times I will stop at night purposefully mid sentence. Mm. I like, I, I'll, I'll start typing a sentence and I'll just quit mid sentence. Mm. So when I open my computer, bam, it's right there in front of my face and I'm off and running, mm. you know, and I try to, I try to focus completely on that for at least an hour. Um, sometimes that runs into three hours if I'm in flow and I've got it going and I, and I just turn it out. But I find that the time that I invest doing that makes me a much better business person and entrepreneur later in the day. And if I don't do it, I'm not as effective. I love that you brought this up because I feel like, you know, obviously I usually speak with women and work with women and, you know, have women on here as being interviewed and everything. And we, a common theme that comes up is the balance between sort of masculine and feminine energies. Right. And obviously like that, that creativity piece is a feminine energy, right? right. And like right. having that balanced feminine energy allows you to step into that masculine focus. And I think as entrepreneurs, we can so easily get stuck in the masculine energy as women too, like getting stuck in that masculine energy of strategy, funnels, blah, 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 blah. Right. You right. know, and then we miss out on that feminine energy, that creativity, that flow, that um, ease and that sort of vulnerability or that receptive energy. And so I think that's so, so awesome that you said that because it's true for us all. We need that balance of the masculine and feminine energy. Totally. And it's, you know, the, the sub kind, and I'm kind of a, kind of a uh, Jungian psychologist on this, mm. in this uh, realm, but um an, an armchair Jungian psychologist, but, <laughs> but every, every person, they, within their soul, within their subconscious, they want to be a complete person. That's the, that is the movement of the soul of the subconscious. And you mm -hmm. cannot be totally one, totally the other. And you have to embrace, like for me, I have to embrace that feminine side of my personality mm -hmm. and come to, you know, and embrace it and, mm -hmm. and bring it in. And, you know, what, what does that look like? It looks like taking time out to appreciate the beauty of nature and mm -hmm. um, being creative and all of uh, being, being loving and tender and all of these qualities that are considered very, very feminine. But I have to have that to balance out. And for, for females, it's the opposite, right? Um, you still, even though you're in a quote unquote competitive male's game, entrepreneurship, you still too have to embrace the, the feminine side because Absolutely. it balances what we 
balance will make you more effective in your chosen endeavor mm -hmm. than trying to hyper-focus on one element. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. So over the years, being a self-identified entrepreneur, have you come up with or been exposed to any specific tricks or hacks that help you stay focused and productive during your busy schedule in addition to your creative writing? <laughs> right. I think it's um, for me too. Another thing I do at night is I, and again, this, you know, this gets back to the Mike Tyson being punched in the mouth thing, mm -hmm. but I try to identify one to three things that I need to do on, on the business side, right? Like the non-negotiable, non-negotiables for me are sleep and getting a daily movement session in, whether that be a, a very hard workout or even just riding my bike or walking, but I have to move every day. Mm -hmm. um, I have to get a proper amount of sleep. I have to write every morning. All of those are non-negotiable though. Mm -hmm. I, I have to do those to be effective in any kind of capacity. Um, but then I try to identify one to three big things that I need to do the next day that are, that will really propel the business forward. Mm. Right. And those, and I do everything I can to get those one to three things done. Yeah. And then all the little stuff, you know, Hey, that's great. That's, that's, that's bonus. That's, um, icing on the cake, which is not a good paleo reference, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I try to identify those big things and you think really only one to three things. Oh, we so underestimate the amount of time it takes to do things. Right. right? Yeah. Right. But those, and, and this comes back to the, to my idea of that as a person, if we can be 1% better today than yesterday, just 1%. And that's obviously a nebulous term, but <laughs> just a little bit better, a little bit better, that little bit better compounded over time is immense. It's like compound interest. It's, it's mm -hmm. crazy how it works because then you look back over a few weeks or a few months and you go, damn, we really moved this thing forward. How do we move it forward? We did one to three things every day yes. and we did them right and complete. And that's what moves. It's not 10,000 little things done half ass. Mm -hmm. That never, that never works out. It's the one to three things that we have accomplished in a day that over time just consistently keeps moving the, whether it be a business or a person forward. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I also love that you say that you plan that out the night before because I think that helps us or it helps prevent that sort of monkey mind or that racing mind also while we're yes. trying to go to sleep because we're like, it's cool. Like, I already know what I'm going to focus on tomorrow. Like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> right. And it, yeah. And that, that comes back to the sleep thing. So the last yeah. thing you want to do when you lay down is have that, have that monkey, the shitty roommate is right yeah, yeah. your head. <laughs> telling you all the things you forgot to do, all the things you yes. need to do, how far behind you are. Yada, yes. da, 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 da. Um, but if you have those planned out ahead, then you know, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I know the one thing I'm going to do tomorrow. And that's the one thing I'm going to do. So shut up, shitty roommate. You're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this covered. I've got it. Yes. Um, probably, you know, another trick that I, that I do is, and I, and I actually use it rarely. But just knowing that I have a notebook and a pen next to my bed. Mm, yep. So if I wake up and, you know, I just have things come to me while I'm in my sleep and I'll wake up and I'm 
The last thing I want to do is go, oh, okay, I've got to remember this till tomorrow. This is a great idea. I've got to remember it. Well, then that sets me up for just constantly going, don't forget it. Don't forget it. You're going to fall asleep and you're going to forget it. You know what's going to happen? You're going to wake up and go, what was that great idea I had last time? (laughs) Totally. You're going to beat yourself up. So just have a notebook sitting there. And I, Again, I use it rarely, but at times that I do use it, it really, really helps. Totally, and I, I love and that it's. It I love that it's like a physical notebook too, not not like you're hopping on your phone to like write yourself a note, you know. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that's a lot. And then that gets you caught in the oh, who's on Instagram? Hey, yes, yes. <laughs> or just like the light from the screen, uh, you know, you know right. how it goes. Right. Good grief. Um, all right. So top three blogs or podcasts that you are absolutely in love with right now. Yeah. So I'll start off with one that, that people may not have, uh, identified or heard of yet. It's called human outliers podcast. Mm. And that's kind of, that's more on the training side of things, uh, diet training, uh, those aspects. It's a newer podcast that I've really, really come to enjoy lots of great uh, people on there um, lots, lots of great ideas but my go-to's are what you might expect I'm a Joe Rogan fan <laughs> nice. um, now I you know I'm not a big MMA guy um, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't listen to those particular episodes but I do listen when he interviews entrepreneurs or, or you know other people in that realm Mm-hmm. Um, I love that podcast. I love Tim Ferriss, of course, mm-hmm. too. And I, I will listen to quite a few of those podcasts. And probably I listen more to Tim Ferriss than I do Joe Rogan. I think he interviews very well. Both of them are great interviewers, but mm. um, they just have interesting guests and they ask really, really good questions. And um, yeah, I find those super interesting. I think it's you know, I'm very, very spoiled in the fact that I live in Austin, mm. as you do. And you know, these circles that we run in of entrepreneurs, I mean, you're just having that face-to-face contact with these people, for me, kind of overrides the need to listen to a lot of podcasts. But that's not everybody can live in Austin or the Silicon Valley where you just have right. access to these people on the daily. <laughs> right. So, um <laughs> So yeah, I'm a little bit more biased towards uh, face-to-face interaction, but you know, again, not everybody lives in Austin or Silicon Valley. So um, yeah, Tim Ferriss is fantastic. I thought Joe Rogan's recent uh, interview with Elon Musk was just fascinating. Mm. How many times do you get an insight, a three-hour in-depth insight into someone like Joe Rogan? It's, I mean, uh, well, Joe Rogan too, but yeah, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk, it's just yeah. Fa- fascinating. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, his interviews are pretty intense. I started uh, listening to his one with uh, Jordan B. Peterson. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Jordan Peterson, obviously a very, very controversial figure, but Mm -hmm. I really love listening to him. I do too. I think he's got some great insight. um, Mm -hmm. And it's a message that that people need to hear, especially, Mm -hmm. especially men. Mm, yes. um, and going back to the to the Jungian thing, I mean, any I- anything that's being repressed or being held back or uh, pressed down, shoved in the in the you know the uh, dirty corners of your subconscious, that that stuff never stays repressed. It always squeezes out sideways into you know the things that 
that potentiate the Me Too movement, right? All of that stuff is just stuff that has squeezed out sideways. And to the extent that we can integrate those shadow sides of ourselves, that stuff is, you know, integration doesn't mean that you have to then act on it. It means that you now see it. It's brought out in the light. You can choose to act on it or you can choose not to act on it. But once it's brought into the light, you can, you see it for what it is. Absolutely. You're acting out like with intention and mindfulness as opposed to reacting. Right. Right. Um, Yes. I think, um, yeah, the more people can, and this is a big part of my integration because, you know, I have, like everybody does, you know, I have some nasty stuff crammed in the corners of my subconscious, mm. right? Stuff that I would rather not see and stuff mm. that I would run from and say, that is absolutely not who I am. No, it is who you are. That's, we're all a mm. big mix of these emotions and um, potentialities. And to the extent mm. that we can integrate them all together, accept them, you don't have to act on them. But, you, mm-hmm. but to the extent that they're there, you realize them, then you have control over them. Yes, totally, 100%. Right. I love that. Right. <sighs> <laughs> um, if you had a little magic in your pocket, what is the one thing that you would change in the world? Going back to the action part of things. So here's the thing. I you know, the world is awash in information and Mm -hmm. good, credible, high quality, true information. But I think that so many people get caught in that wheel of, well, I'm going to read one more book. I'm going to follow one more guru. I'm going to download one more PDF. You know, we get caught in that wheel that more information is the answer. And if more information were the answer, we'd all be billionaires with six-pack abs. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the information. It is the action. You know, you have to, yes, read that stuff. Information is good, but at a certain point, you've got all the information you need. You just need to act. Totally. It's like you, this false sense of action, right? It's like, oh, we're not is. procrastinating, but actually you are procrastinating yes. and you're preventing uh, all of these people you could serve from getting what you have to offer. <laughs> like, right. I mean, it's the whole Tony Robbins. I love Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I, I love everything he's about. I love just that jacked, motivated, I can go out and conquer the world <laughs> feeling that he inspires in people. Mm-hmm. But then you have to go home. And you have to wake up the next day. And oh, by the way, again, I'm gripped with fear about public speaking. I'm gripped Mm -hmm. with fear about contacting somebody and asking for something. All Mm -hmm. I've got to get over that. That means, Mm -hmm. you know, back to the five second rule or the OODA loop thing. Mm -hmm. Five, four, three, two, one, bam, I'm doing it. I'm not Mm going to think about it. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to let my monkey mind take over after that five seconds and tell me every freaking laundry list reason why I shouldn't do what I'm getting ready to do. Yeah. Can you remind us what UDA stands for? So UDA stands (laughs) for observe, orient, decide, act. I love it. And in the time, and it it works under the same principle as as Mel Robbins's um, five second rule. By the time Mm -hmm. I go through that, bam, five seconds, and I'm acting. If I wait longer than five seconds, my 
conscious mind is going to hit the emergency brake and there's going to be no action. I'm going to think of every reason why I shouldn't do what I know needs to be done. Yeah. And that, for me, that is a big lever. And I was just lucky enough to learn that, you know, through athletics because that, that was my foray into all of this. I was just lucky enough to learn that in athletics where you didn't have a choice to procrastinate. Right. You had to act right now. Yes. And I've just applied that to daily life and entrepreneurship. What's mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You mm-hmm. have to act and I, I think that's the biggest element of habit change that is missing from people's lives. Yep. Is how do you how do you set that process of action? You can support it by setting up very very good systems and processes that make whatever action it is as easy as possible. So for instance, I just moved recently and um, I try to ride my bike when I'm at home in Austin. I try to ride my bike versus um, any kind of motorized transportation here, there, everywhere. Again, lucky enough to live in Austin, very bike friendly town. Uh, But I got to a point where I realized that I was, you know, my first reaction if I needed to go somewhere was to grab the car keys. Mm. And after a while, I thought, you know, I don't like that. I don't like that that is my first go-to reaction. Um, And so I set up a system and process. I've got my bike helmet, my shoes set up right by my bike. I know what my path looks like through the garage. And I have to walk by that every time Mm. that I would go to my car. And it would just stare me in the face. Mm. I made it stupid simple to get on my bike and go. I love that. And and, and that's in someone who really wants to ride his bike, right? I <laughs> right. still had to set up that system and process because if mm. I didn't, that gave me an excuse to, well, I don't know where my helmet is. Eh, I don't know where my shoes are. Eh, mm-hmm. I don't know where my backpack is. And that would give me that, that would get me out of that five second thing and bam, I've got the car keys and I'm off and going that way. Totally. I you know? can totally relate to that because I, um, when I was getting back into my sort of movement routine, my workout routine, what I would do, I just got in the pattern of putting on my workout clothes first thing. Like I didn't even think about whether or not I was going to work out or what I was actually going to do for my movement. I just knew like the first thing that I had to do was put on my workout clothes. And then it was like, okay, well now I guess I'll work out. (laughs) Right. You you know, back in the early nineties, um, Oprah Winfrey went through this thing where she lost like 50 pounds. She went through this big transformation thing. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she, you know, her, most of her methods were wrong. You know, looking back on them, um, you know, she was doing the low fat thing. She was doing the chronic cardio thing. It was almost like uh, the biggest loser type thing. Mm. But the one thing she did right was she went to bed and this is setting up a system and process. She went to bed wearing the clothes that she was going to wear when she got up to run the next morning. She gave herself zero excuses. She went to sleep in these clothes. Mm. Right. So she woke up. She didn't have an excuse. She was already dressed. Her running shoes were sitting there right by her bed. Yes. So in in this, and I would say too, that intelligence gets in the way of people setting up these systems and processes because, you know, what's the intelligent person going to do? Well, I, you know, I'll figure it out in the morning or, you know, I'm too smart to go to sleep in my, my running gear. That's dumb. But, but following through on these is not a mental thing. It's an emotional thing. Yes. Yes. And so you have to, you have to short circuit that at least mm-hmm. until you now have a new habit. Once the new habit is set, then you're off and running. 
But until that new habit is set, you have to do that. You have to make it so painfully easy, stupid, simple to where you would be embarrassed not to do it. Yes. Yes. And that's really, to me, that is the key to habit change. And if I had you know, the magic wand, I would just kind of whisk it over everybody and everybody would react that way and realize that, that these changing one's habits is never an intellectual pursuit. It's always an emotional pursuit. Mm. So, so, so true. Right. So yeah, if I had my magic wand, I would just kind of whisk it over everybody and everybody would realize that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, everybody who listens to this podcast will now realize that. Yeah, that is, a, that. that is a big one because I, you know, as a personal trainer, I eventually got to the point where I was training, you know, the uh, doctors, CEOs, high level entrepreneurs, attorneys, all of these people who considered themselves super intelligent and they were, but they were emotionally stunted in some kind of a way that was preventing them from reaching their goals. Mm-hmm. And they have the same problems and same issues as everybody else everybody else. And it boils down to they cannot act on what they know they need to do. Mm. And so I would have to talk them off the cliff and they would be, you know, like Keith, that is, that's dumb. Really? (laughs) Really? You know, half my workout stuff is sitting right by my bed, um, drive home a different way. So I don't drive through the, you know, I, I know there's a Taco Bell sitting on the corner there and I drive by it every day and it's real easy just to slide by and pull in on it. So I'm like, change your route home. Yes. Well, that's going to take an extra 15 minutes to get home. I, okay. Is that 15 minutes? Is that a big deal compared to you going by Taco Bell every day on the way home? Mm. And we'd have the, and it would just be a back and forth, back and forth. And they go, no, I can, you know, I'll do it. I'll pass it by today. Mm. Three days later, okay, yeah, I passed it by the first day, but the second and third day, <laughs> I found myself right back in the drive-through. I'm like, just change your route home, and I'd finally, the, you know, finally they'd raise a white flag. Okay, whatever, I'll change my route home. <laughs> then magically, after a week or so, they don't even think about Taco Bell. It's yes. not in their environment anymore. It's not in their day-to-day yes. environment, and they've completely forgotten about it. Uh, you know, and then that, it's yes. like, okay, let's go to the next habit change we need to do. What else? Yes. You know, let's talk about what's in your cabinets. Yada, yada, you know. Um, but that is an emotional decision. It's Absolutely. not a, it's not an intelligence thing. Absolutely. That's awesome. So I know we're gonna be wrapping up here in a few minutes, but tell us a little bit more about paleo fx just because we're gonna have a little special promotion for you so everybody can get their hands on some tickets so tell our audience what paleo fx is and why they should go (laughs) well we empower human optimization that is the core of what paleo fx does Now, the event side of it, the PaleoFX event, happens once a year in Austin, Texas. It's a big uh, powwow of sorts of people who are in this movement. It's an opportunity for like-minded people to get together, rub shoulders, network, um, you know, see old friends, um, not feel like a freak because most people <laughs> right. know in, in their normal day-to-day lives, they're the, oh, they're the weird paleo person. They order <laughs> off the menu. They give the waiter a hard time. Whenever, you know, all of that stuff, you, you're that person outside. So it's very cool for people to, to come together face-to-face once a year. 
um, under this big tent that is Paleo FX. Mm. Um, you know, speakers like Rob Wolf, uh, Mark Sisson, Chris Kresser, Sarah Ballantyne. Um, I could go on and on and on. JJ Virgin. Um, mm -hmm. That All is fantastic. Names. All the big names. Um, mm -hmm. The expo floor is just packed full of, you know, uh, paleo foods, um, biohacking devices, everything that you can think of uh, that would help optimize a life. But the big takeaway every year when we do exit interviews of what was it that you really liked about paleo effects, what brings you back every year over and over and over again, we hear tribe. Oh, right. This is, part, <laughs> this is my community. This is, this is the movement and the people I resonate with. Mm. Um, you know, really because again, all of the information is out there and it's for the most part free. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can find information on any of these people, Rob Wolf, Mark, um, Chris, Sarah, JJ, all of these people just pump out an immense amount of free information. So the information's mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. but it's the gathering together. It's the face-to-face -face interaction. It's the knowing that you're not alone, that you actually have a tribe of people, you know, 7,000 plus come to this event every year. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not alone. And I've met some fantastic people. Um, if I'm an entrepreneur, I've met people who have the missing component of what I need to make my business better. Um, it's just a big powwow networking event and that's what people take away from it but you know we're very very proud of the curated show the speaker side the uh on the expo side we're very very proud of that but we're also super proud that we're able to bring this community together every year under one big roof and just have a paleo party so fun yeah. <laughs> Super, super Very fun. cool. Yeah. So stay tuned uh, for the end because I will be giving everybody here a special code that you can use to get your hands on some tickets. So Keith, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share with the audience? You know, on the paleo effects side, I would just say you don't have to be a paleo enthusiast to get a lot out of this show. You know, we have so many people that we call paleo curious. I'm using air quotes that doesn't nice, transfer nice. well over, <laughs> over an audio interview. But um, but it's people who are curious. I mean, we get vegans and vegetarians that come out, and, which is, you know, you would think, what? What's a vegan and vegetarian coming out there for? Right. Because or are it, they just showing up with picket, picket signs? Right, <laughs> right. But, but they, they understand that we are all after the same thing. We're all about sustainability, not just... Mm. Well, I shouldn't even say not just with the with the earth and farming and um, animal husbandry, all of these things, mm -hmm. we are all about sustainability. But we're also about the sustainability of the individual as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I totally empathize and agree with people who are vegans, vegetarians because of uh, because of ethical reasons. I get it. I totally get it. And I think that we're all on the same page. Now we can, you know, we agree on 98% of things. Mm -hmm. We agree that the system needs to change. We agree about mm -hmm. sustainability. We agree about optimizing human lives. All of that we agree on. We can have these, these many disagreements about, you know, taking that final step with animals, so to speak. You know, is it, uh, is it ethical to consume, you know, another sentient being? You know, and we can have those discussions. But on the other 98% of stuff, we agree. Mm -hmm. And 
in, in the in, in the way that we can join arms and come together as one big overriding group that can really push this movement forward, the greater sustainability idea movement forward, we're going to make changes in greater society. And that's really what we're after. Mm. Yes. I love it. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Keith. How can our audience find you? Well, they can go to paleofx.com. That's one way. Um, and that's the, uh, you know, the paleo FX portal, uh, mm-hmm. personally, uh, people can follow me on Twitter just simply at Keith Norris, very creative. I know. <laughs> um, and I have a blog at, uh, theory to practice. And those are just coming. I, I do a lot of, um, uh, habit change stuff within this blog. There is some fitness, but it's not over, you know, it's not overrun with fitness, um, most of it as of late has been habit change, you know, how to, how to create habit change, how to, how to create systems and processes to support your, to support your habits. Um, goal setting, you know, what good is goal setting and what does quality goal setting look like? Mm. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people set very, very lofty goals without an idea of what do the mini goals look like on the step two to that lofty goal yes. and it becomes just too much. You get overwhelmed by those big goals. And so you, you have to have a system to process to, to makes lead it you more to tangible, right? Makes yeah. it more tangible. What can yeah. I do in the day? What are the little micro steps I can take that will support the larger goal? Mm. Um, all these are very, very important. I've been exploring that more and more, um, in the last six months, just because there's a calling for it. And people have, mm. people have asked me about it. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I was under the impression that, oh, everybody knows this, right? Mm. And then the more I talk about it, the more they're like, nobody knows uh-huh. what you're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, well, okay, I need to be discussing this a little bit more. Um, so there's that. So um, Theory to Practice and Paleo FX, Twitter, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, and uh, the Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook page um, that we have. I don't know, 80, 90,000 people that are a part oh of this goodness. page. So there's lots of great information there. And this is how we keep the tribe together in between events. Very cool. So, very yeah, cool. Very, very and what about, about ID Life? You mentioned ID Life too. Do you want people to check out ID Life? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can go to Rockin, uh, leave off the G from Rockin, Rockin the ID Life dot ID Life dot com. And simply ID life is another way that we empower people to live better lives. Um, it's just with a different focus than purely on the, the, uh, the paleo ideal, because we mm-hmm. realize that not everybody is bought into paleo. Many people mm-hmm. haven't even heard of it, or mm-hmm. they, they have a complete misconception of what paleo is. Mm-hmm. So this is another portal that we use to bring people in. And many times we don't even discuss shifting towards a paleo diet or paleo lifestyle until we give them a couple wins, Mm. right? You give people a couple health wins and then they inevitably ask, how can I level up? What's the next step? What can I do? And then we can begin to have a paleo discussion with them. But, um, this would be, I, I consider it the middle America movement of the, our idea of the, mm. you know, the paleo arm. Let me reach mm-hmm. these people that have no clue what paleo is. They, you know, they have, you know, randomized control trial. What the hell are you, I don't even, 
<laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, right. this is that this is that uh, segment of the population who just for for lack of because they don't have time, they've never been exposed to the idea of health and wellness. Um, yeah. It gives them a portal and gives us a way to reach those people as well. So that's I love yeah. it. More access. More access. Mm -hmm. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So I will link to all of these in the show notes so people can find you with um, all the different avenues that they can find you with. Um, but I just want to thank you so, 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 so much for taking the time today and for answering all of these questions. I just I appreciate that so very much. And it was, of course, a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much, Michelle. And I look very forward to our next sit down coffee. Yay. <laughs> Me too, Keith. <laughs> All right. Well, take care and we will chat soon. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Oh, and quickly before I forget, there's an awesome promotion for Paleo FX. If you are interested in participating and showing up, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And we've got an awesome code for you for 35% off VIP and Premier badges. So when you're checking out, use the code FX35. This is an awesome promotion, but it's only available to you through the end of January. So you've got a few more days. So make that quick decision, hop on board, and we'll see you there. All right, take care, and I will chat with you next week. All right, ladies, thank you for listening to another transformational episode. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you know my mission is to help inspire and empower women to share their gifts, better serve their clients, and show up even more for the people they love. So if you enjoyed this episode, leave an awesome review so more women can find us and join us in creating a life of wealth. Mm-hmm.